Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. And look, football, it might be over for the season, but basketball and college hoops, they're heading towards their postseason. So you're going to need BetOnline for the latest odds, totals, and player performance props because it's the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. It's not just basketball. They got hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline, it's your number one online, online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. And play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. Super excited to have this guest on and bring his perspectives. He is working hard for NBC Sports Chicago with White Sox Talk. And also you can see him with The Rush, NBC Sports Chicago Daily. My new favorite afternoon show coming in at 3 o'clock for me, maybe 5 o'clock Central Time. It's Ryan McGuffey. Ryan, how are you? Good, Joey. Good to have you. Or good to be back with you. And uh, it's been a while, but I wish we had some baseball to see. I, I see, like, I look at your background, man. I, I, this is what's great about being on, like, uh, on, about about the last two years. It's like I look in your background. I, I love the white sock. I see the air conditioner, and it makes me just like envy. Like I just have envy. <laughs> like, air, like the thought of an air conditioner right now is just. Uh, Oh baby, okay. I, one, I, I, don't, one I don't know if it's on, but I'm telling you right now, it makes me feel it makes me feel warm just looking at it. Well, this is terrible, and I don't want to be sarcastic. You're such a hardworking guy, and dude, your grind really inspires me. But you should be in Arizona right now. So, what does Ryan McGuffey do with his time besides you know producing the Russian White Sox talk? Is it is it Pancha Karma? Is it oil painting? What are you doing? What are you doing these days while you're waiting this thing out? Yeah, I'm raising these two right here. I think that's. About, <laughs> there I, I you think go. that's uh, you're right. I mean, uh, it's a good transition. That's, uh, you know, I've had a lot of like, you know, Facebook memories and, and, and some stuff pop up into my feed here the last six, seven days about, you know, some meal I had or, or, or somebody we were doing a feature on. And I mean, obviously, look, it's, it's, it's extremely frustrating. Uh, and I think I've used like every adjective, right? I mean, frustrating, infuriating, sad. Um, there's absolutely, in my, in my opinion, there's absolutely no reason for this. I mean, I know that there's a lot of money and things to be sorted out, but, uh, and it's, it takes two to tango, but when you read all the stuff that's out there and there's a lot of great reporting going on right now, I mean, it's just asinine that the sport would allow this to happen to a sport that quite frankly is playing massive catch up to the others in terms of how they market their game and what the future of their game looks like to generations that are coming behind us. And, you know, I, I talked about, I, I use my own kids as an example a lot. And then, you know, my kids' kids, like, I don't even, like, would baseball even matter to them? I don't know. And, you know, the way it's going right now, like my kids like to play and they, they have interest, but it depends on like when they're walking by the TV and who's up to bat. And if it's not the right guy at the right time, you know, no, thanks back to YouTube. So uh, there's just a real problem. And, and, and the marketability is not really even in the, in the CBA discussions. That's a whole nother problem, but this certainly doesn't help. One of their biggest problems is to have a lockout right now. We should be talking baseball and warmer weather. And, and instead we're trying to figure out if there's going to be a season before June 1st. It really hurts. I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I love baseball. It's my, it's my number one sport. So for me to hear the conversations, when you get on the national outlets of, do fans care or not? We're at that point. Yep. That's when it really hurts, man. You know, I, I'm from the 90s. It feels like I'm defending, like, the punk rock bands of the 90s. Of like, no one cares. I'm like, come on, you don't like that music. That doesn't make any sense. And here we are. And, yeah, it's so funny that you mentioned the marketability because I just keep going back to that Field of Dreams game with the White Sox last year. Mm. Clearly, like, probably one of the best marketing moments that baseball could have had in the last several years. I mean, I, I'm trying to look back, but at least the last couple – at the least and it's squandered and, it, and it's going away and now we're asking ourselves not even how we maybe make the game shorter or make make the game more palatable or appealing to the younger generation but you know now they're talking about how they're going to pay probably the best and most talented players in the game so in your opinion ryan like you know let's kind of cut through it a little bit what is it going to take player or owners to get this thing resolved and get players back on the field what do you think it is going to take it's going to take compromise and right now, it, both sides are dug into the sand so deep that they can't get themselves out, let alone talk to each other. 
And, you know, there was so much momentum. I what was it on Monday night as we taped this. I mean, in, into the wee hours of the morning, like I finally called it. Like I had to unplug and be like, I think it's going to happen, but it might not happen until tomorrow. But the fact that I woke up and there was like this extension, we all had the same belief, right? It was the first time I was actually optimistic mm-hmm. during this whole process. And when it got to noon on Tuesday and there were, we heard nothing. Like I, I didn't feel like the sides hadn't even come together yet. They were both like in their individual uh, meetings. I didn't like what I was, uh, I didn't like that. Like you would think at that point it was either close to the finish line or they're not going to get a deal done. And, and, and the way the ML, the, the way MLB came out with the statement saying the tone changed and they, they really, it was a finger pointing statement. Like, Hey, look, we made a deal. You know, we have an offer on the table. It's fair for both sides. They're the one who changed the tone. That is such like seven-year-old type crap. So that tells me how far apart they were. I I love what you just said about the Field of Dreams game. Because you're right. You are 1,000% right. It's the first time baseball actually took the spotlight, had an opportunity to have the spotlight grab the spotlight and put it right square in the middle and delivered delivered so hard they nailed it and i was at that game and i i I swear to god like i said i i think it's the coolest sports moment i've been at like in a one-off opportunity right i mean i've been to world series games and covered all that stuff it's i I pinch myself every time but in terms of like a, a singular event where you knew something special was going on in the moment prior to the dramatic ninth inning like you felt it, you felt it. Like it was pregame. Yeah, obviously the, the the theatrical, like Hollywood. Co- Kevin Costner walking out of the corn, you know. And like I was with my mom, and it was just the two of us. And and there was eight thousand people. So that's the other thing. Like you knew you were in this intimate setting, and you would look around, and like there were no suites. It was just like seats. And so you, I, I spent a lot of time kind of scanning left to right, and like Kevin Costner sitting there with his son, Jerry Reinsdorf sitting there with his son. Paul Canerco is sitting there with his son. It was like this moment where like for one night, everyone was on the same level and it was really intimate. It was almost like I, I, I did a podcast with Chuck afterwards. I was like emotional about it. You know, I had lost my dad last year. So there was like a lot of that. Um, but like I grew up on that movie and, and then it translated. It, it wasn't just like me feeling that that was the most watched baseball game period since 2005 period. Yeah. Uh, any world series games, whatever new york la chicago it didn't matter what it was the most watched game in baseball in 16 years and what did they do they just stopped they just stepped on it like it was an ant on the ground and you're right they squandered that entire opportunity so back to your original question i mean it's going to take grown men looking in the mirror and saying do you want this to do you care about your sport and if you do get a deal done and if you don't and you want Here's the problem. Like, even when they get a deal done, it's going to be, there's going to, it's going to be tenuous. I, I think you're going to have the players going to be pissed off and like, they're, you know, there's going to be some things said and there's going to be like this, you know, like trust thing, I think with owners and players, probably in the immediate, whether or not that goes on. And once players start getting paid and stuff, like, I think we'll get back to business. But like, I think after what we've just gone through the last two years, what's going on in the world right now as we speak? this is what we're doing in the sport of baseball. Like, I don't know, man, like why? And maybe it's because that you and I don't have private jets to do this in person and and fly around the world and have that kind of money, but maybe we have more perspective than those who do, because it seems insane to me that they can't get some of these issues solved with all the stuff that people have just gone through for the last two years. And the people are fighting all over the world for It's just insane to me. Well, yeah, if I can get on my, my high horse with the billionaires or whatever is that, what we've learned over the last two years is there are so many things that are uncertain in life, but the one thing that is certain is their revenue stream, and they mm-hmm. don't want that to change by one dollar. Whether you have a, you know, whether you have a a product on the field that either is earning that money or it is or it's not, and man, you're bringing up a great point. And I guess maybe I can phrase it to you like this: Is it at this point where they probably don't want to admit it? This might not be realistic, but I think the owners have already lost on this. So is it possible that maybe you do, as you suggested, try and get it to 50-50, but make it like a 51-50 for the players? 
right? And then, then the owners can be like, you know what? At the end of the day, the players are the most important part of the game. And you know what I mean? They won, they, they won it by one vote. And conversely, I just want to ask you too as well. You mentioned Jerry earlier. You know, he has a history of staying out of things. And then when he kind of steps into a room, things get done. Can an 86-year-old Jerry Reinsdorf at all have an impact on this? And could you see him maybe get involved? I don't know about stepping into a room, but getting on a phone call in the near future. I mean, if that's what it takes, you're right. It's his, you know, his voice carries. I mean, he's been in the game for 40 plus years and, and this is the best opportunity that he's like, his team is ready to win. I can tell you right now that Jerry Reinsdorf, and it's been reported, is not one of the owners voting no on this stuff. That is a fact. It's been reported by multiple sources now, including this morning from the athletic. He wants to play. The White Sox want, are a team that want to get on the field. Why wouldn't they want to be on the field? Look at what they have. They have one of the best teams in the league, and there's 200-plus guys that are out there to sign. Like That, that, that frenzy is going to be insane. And they missing games when the fan base is a very much a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately fan base in terms of showing up, mm-hmm. right? Like, here's what we know about the White Sox. Like, they are going to draw. They are April, traditionally across the board, from in every city in Major League Baseball, is their lowest revenue month. And that's yeah. why there's people who are, that's why the players are called, like called them out on it because they really don't care. Like, and I say, they, I'm lumping everyone in. You asked about Jerry, but like, if they were going to sacrifice one month of the season, it would be April. It's colder weather. Schools are in session. Games are getting postponed. There's off days, there's day games, all of those things. And that you, if they fired up on May 1st, you know, back to business and then players do, and, and players have a prorated salary. I do think Jerry has that kind of pull. And, you know, the question is, does he want to, you know, does he want to, there's good, there, there will be baseball when it's going to happen. I, it's somewhere between May 1 and June 1 is where I'm, I think best, best case scenario is May 1. I hope worst case scenario is June 1. I feels probably worst case scenario, like a hundred games, but I mean, to your point, I do think at some point, like, I think I could see like, you know, Jerry being like, okay, look, this is ridiculous. You're going to, you guys are gonna have to, you know, come up 5 million here, give what they want here. And then we can put here are the three points that we don't have to bend or break on because right now, look, Jesse Rogers from ESPN did a really, he he tweeted yesterday, a really good, like uh, a a really good thread of kind of, Hey, you know what? Here's some optimistic point of view. He went through like the last two months to see like kind of where we were in, in, in the grand scheme of things, they aren't very far apart in terms of like the seven or eight things that they're fighting on. You know, to you and I, it's tens of millions of dollars. But, you know, when you compare that to uh, what's coming in, it's just, again, it, it seems insane that you and I are sitting here trying to cipher, like decipher, you know. Doing the calculator. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, like we have a calculator here trying to make a deal between owners and players. And it's, yeah. and really, at the end of the day, it's because you and I are passionate fans. You know, we're yeah. fat, we grew up on the game. We love the game. We have an opportunity to see some special things happen. Uh, whether in Chicago or elsewhere, I just like love the game. And um, it's just really sad that, you know, like I look at my son, he's 11 and like I was 11 thinking like the only thing that mattered that day was what happened in the White Sox game. And he just doesn't live that life because there's so much out there and baseball doesn't recognize that. And that's a problem. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our presenting sponsors, NordVPN. Now, look, what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the Internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either and plans start at under four dollars per month so what are you waiting for grab your exclusive nordvpn deal right now if you go to nordvpn.com slash believe use the promo code believe b-l-e-a-v you get up to 70 percent off your nordvpn plan plus one additional month for free it's also risk-free with nord's 30-day money-back guarantee nordvpn now back to the pod well uh let's roll it onto the field if you'd like um and you were speaking about optimism and uh, let's get optimistic for a second because that's all I can do. All I can do is sit around and think about optimistic ways of how this is going to maybe help this White Sox team this year. And let me lay it out to you like this. Last year was a horror show in terms of injuries. Yeah. You know, Yoan Moncada battled injuries on and off throughout the season that I don't think the casual fan knew about. By the end of the year, you know, Lance Lynn's knees kind of barking on him a little bit. 
Grandal's knee got hurt, you know, a little too much torque, uh, you know, maybe a little too much wear and tear there. And then you've got a guy like Michael Kopech, a guy whose innings you want to kind of, you know, you want to tamp down just a little bit. So is it fair for this ultra-talented White Sox team that, you know, maybe taking 20 games off the schedule as much as it hurts us fans, does it maybe – I mean, in terms of the Kopech specifically, all of a sudden now 20 games, four turns in the rotation, that's 15 to 20 innings you don't have to safeguard him from. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm working with as best I possibly can here at this point, but – I mean, is it possible that that shortening the season can maybe help out this White Sox team and a guy like Tim Anderson with his legs too? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fair point. Here's where here's here's my take on it. Yeah, uh, I, I get concerned at how these guys have been training and where they come into spring training at now. Like mm-hmm. where they know mid February they have to be at this point, so by by the time they get to end of March they're ready to go. And now here we are with this undetermined time period right so like and i and i know guys the mlbpa told them to be prepared for missed time but how how you how that how you train for that is you can't it's very similar to me like how the pandemic happened where like mid-march michael kopech had that one in against the cubs he threw a three or four pitches in the hundreds i think he struck out the side and then that's it everyone went home and then they came back for summer camp in july and ramped it up for that 60 game season I, I, there's been, there's been too much of this over the mm-hmm. last few years for these guys. There's been too much. They're not wind up toys. They're not like we, I mean, we treat them as robots and they're anything, but they're human beings. They break down. And when you're just like you and I, like if we're getting a workout, like if we're trying to work out consecutively for two weeks and we take two days off, well, guess what just got thrown off everything we did for two weeks. So imagine that now as a pro athlete and you're, and you start ramping up your program December one to get to here on February 15. And now you're sitting here on March 4th, as we tape this and go, okay, well, when are we playing? And the answer is, I don't know. And what's spring training look like? Do we, are we playing games? Are we playing a half? Like, are we playing five games, 10 games, a full slate of spring training games? We don't know. And what's, what's the season look like? Are we picking it up right where it left? Like wherever it's at in the schedule, major league baseball has said yes, but then the divisional games get out of whack. So I don't know if I can answer. I think it's a good thing. I, I yeah. get concerned because of all the injuries the White Sox have had the last couple of years. And because of all of this roller coaster ride that we've all been on, I don't know if it really favors anyone, to be honest with you, just because there's just no certainty as to what the start of the season looks like. And it just concerns me, like the ramp up, the ramp. Now, the, the one thing we do know is like they aren't like, in almost ready to go in, in, in spring training or almost ready to go for the regular season. And then you get the carpet pulled out from underneath you and just tell everybody to go home. Like it's not that, that grave of a scenario, but I, I just don't know how guys, you know, these guys are in some ways, I said, they're not robots, but the way that they get into routines, they are. And so when you take away their routine, they start guessing and looking around and even a training staff can only do so much. So uh, to your point, I, I see where you're going. Like, I, I think there could be some, certainly for pitchers, I think there could be some benefit, uh, especially when you backload the season for a team that's looking to win a World Series. I do get concerned about these first two, three months, though. I do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, and I think that concern, that concern is very fair, especially when you're bringing up the point of, you know, are they going to get a full spring training? And is it just going to be a huge hurry up? Because we did see it, I feel like, probably maybe – I can think of more hitters examples of in 2020 yeah. when they did that ramp up, some guys came out of the gate and just straight up put up, you know, 170, 180, you know, totally kind of, you know, submarine their market value in a lot of different areas. So, you know, it, it's not that easy and baseball is so complicated and it is so challenging that you probably really do need that time. You know, Ryan, you had a fantastic tweet, you know, a couple of days ago about this White Sox window that everyone is supposed to be so excited about and, you know, not to keep it on the, on the downside again, but, you know, you, you crystallize it so perfectly where look at this White Sox window opening 2020. Uh, you know, we have a pandemic and we have a shortened season, you know, no fans in the stands 2021. We do have a season, but there aren't fans in the stands until June. Um, you know, circumstances again, still not normal. And then again, this year, now you're talking about the concerns of what it'd be like to ramp up. I don't know what else to say. I don't even know if there's a question. It's just a shame. Right. And I mean, I, this team is still young where I think, you know, three, four years easily. 
But, you know, I think about players like Jose Abreu, you know what I mean? And I'm not saying that he's going to be falling off the cliff this year, but this is a guy who's right in his prime, who is the centerpiece of a World Series championship team. And we just, as Sox fans, we don't get to see that right now. Yeah, and here's the other part about that. Because, like, I guess it goes back to kind of some of this, like, big philosophical stuff that we've all learned about it ourselves and then, like, each other during the pandemic. Uh, there's just no guarantees, right? I mean, like, we are guaranteed nothing. And that that is true in pro sports. The, the White Sox put themselves in position to do exactly what they wanted to do when they set out to do a rebuild. You know, they, they have a really good team that should be sustained success for five to six, seven, eight years. They've locked up a couple of these guys, but look at what happened. Like life got in the way, right? And shut it down for basically shut down 20, like 2020 was just a sprint. Did they make the postseason and have the experience? Yes, but it was anything but normal. You know, they're, they were wearing masks. They were separated on the road. They were contained in their hotel rooms. There were zero fans. La you know, last year there was by the, by the late summer, it felt, quote unquote normal for about six weeks um and then this so the reason like i i just brought that up because it's just it's it's another it stinks for fans and I'll, to be honest with you it stinks for i i followed up i because i've been thinking about it i think yesterday i tweeted again like you know fans aside and they are number one this stinks for the Sox players the front office and the staff that has put all their efforts into making to getting to this point to getting to this point where it's time to win. And there's just things that are really outside of their control. I'm a big control the controllables guy. And for three years, they haven't been able to control the controllables. Like, well, they, they've had, they, they've just been taken away from them. And, th and then the other thing that concerns me, and I didn't put this in the tweet, cause there's only so many characters we can have, but you know, <laughs> like, and this might make some Sox fans happy, but like, I think he's going to bounce back. But like some of these contracts, the White Sox, they're coming up. Like this is Dallas Keuchel's in theory last year. Yes, Manny Grandal is like on the third year of a deal already. And a, a third year of a deal that was a 60-game season and a, and a season he, he was out for six weeks. And, you know, Lucas G, like these guys, these when, the whole window, like it's players too. And so guys who are going to be coming up in free agency, like 2025 just got a hell of a lot closer, right? Mm. Like it just feels like, it just feels like the mid-20s. And I know we're only in 2022. But in terms of like how you were projecting these windows, some of these numbers, man, 23, 24, and 25, which seems so far away just a couple of years ago, don't seem that far away to me anymore. Yeah, and, and in regards to Grandal, you know, at his rate, and I, I, I marvel at what he does at the plate, and yeah. you're talking about a guy who's getting a little bit older, and, you know, the White Sox do work in certain constraints or have philosophies, I should say, in terms of how they spend their dollars, and you ask yourself, does he get a second contract with the team? I don't know that answer. And Giolito, as he should, is trying to pitch himself into a major deal right now, and that's going to be coming up too. That's a great point. And if I can just throw the cherry on top of the Sunday, in terms of White Sox fans specifically, we still remember 94, Ryan. You know, 94 will never go away from me in my mind. That is the that is the fantasy, you know what I mean, at the fingertips that will never come back because that team was ready to rock and roll, finally ready to beat the Blue Jays. <laughs> you know what oh, I, I mean? think they like, would have definitely beat the Blue Jays, 100%. I think, no, I think so too. I mean, that team was rocking, and, you know, that was that was the year Frank could have beaten Maris, you know what I mean, if they had actually gotten uh, a real shot Frank's at it. Number, I've always said, like, I'm with you. A 94 is just uh... – that's like the what you know if i can have one season back and just like the what if scenario i just want to play it out and see how it finished even if the white Sox don't win the world series there there were some really good teams even the american league the yankees were good that year obviously the expos uh i just wanted to see the the white Sox expos world series but frank's i don't think people talk about frank in 94 enough i mean his like you would challenge yourself to do what he did in a video game that's how good he was i mean i've talked to him about it like he came up to the I mean, in a hundred, I'm, I'm, I'm literally throwing this out. I think they played like 113 games and he hit 300. He, he kept his streak going of 330 homers, hundred walks, hundred runs, hundred RBIs in 113 games. That's insane. Like he was, he was basically when he showed up to play in a game, he was guaranteeing you that he was going to score, that he was going to walk and he was going to drive in a game, drive in a run just by being in the lineup guaranteed and then every third game he was going to homer i mean it's that's insane 
Uh, you're gonna get me on this whole night. I, no, I, I know, I know that I, he was he was a he was appointment viewing. Four chaps, everyone's ass. I mean, if, if that that one like, and that was like prime. That that was a bitter pill at a time. I was 15, so like I'm, you know, that was like peak White Sox for me. Like this team with that player, um, it was it was a tough pill. I I I hope White Sox fans don't go there. I, it's easy to go to 94, but like. Jerry wants to play. The White Sox want to play. Like they want to get it. It's in their best interest to play. And, you know, it's a different, it's a different CBA situation, even though it's the first time since 95 that there's been games canceled. Yeah. And to be very fair, the story hasn't been written, but that's in reference to just what you, what you tweeted and and illustrated what this White Sox window is going through a little bit. And I just don't want 94 a quick, quick tangent before we move on to the next topic. Um, my aunt dated Ron Schuler all throughout the nineties. Lucky me want tickets yeah. to the game. I can go to go. the game, but I have uh, he got me for my birthday one year. I have a framed, uh, it's a framed photo or it's a framed uh, case of the divisional series, the pennant and world series white Sox tickets, 1994 printed versus the NL, like the NL champion. I have actual 94 world series white Sox tickets. And that's a, a gift. For, is that a gift from Ron Schuler? Yeah, he got it to me for for my birthday. Dude, that's a great story. That, it's that, pre- that, oh, that, I I got some I got some Schuler stories for sure. I mean, like he got me he a Jordan real, baseball. I'll say this. I'll say this. He was all in on your aunt. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, was, he, he was. I mean, if if he's if he's getting gifts for the nephews, he's he's he was <laughs> he he was he wanted to be around for a while. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell a really shortened story. He came over one night, he came over for once for Christmas and I was, I, I was like a crazy, you know, I got my Beckett. I had all, all right. my cards, oh, a yeah. crazy baseball fan sitting yeah. at his knee. Uh, Ronnie, uncle Ron, what are we doing this winter? He goes, oh, I tell you, you know, we're going to spend some money. You know what I mean? We're going to get a big pitcher. We're going to get a big Jamie hitter in the lineup. <laughs> Jamie Navarro never belt. So here he goes. Come on. So I go, was it really Jamie Navarro? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sitting oh, there, I'm sitting there and he goes, Hey, I'm sitting there and he goes, you know what, Ron? You know what, Uncle Ron? You know what you should do? Roger Clemens, free agent. Boston doesn't want him back. Wouldn't it be great for the fans? Get him in the rotation. And he goes, Joey, I'll tell you right now, I was in Florida last week. I watched him pitch. He's throwing 87. He's done. I'm like, no, tell, no, say it isn't so. He's like, but there's this other guy, Jamie Navarro. And I go, no, wait, I watch Cubs games too. Don't do it. He's like, innings eater, blah, blah, blah. And then what did Roger do? He came back a couple months later with Toronto and looking completely different and pumping 94, 95. And I always wonder if that workout right there maybe was the moment where Roger decided to change his offseason program. But yeah, that's what it was like with Uncle Ron. That, I mean, the fact that you even called him Uncle Ron tells me like he was, uh, yeah, you guys were, I love that he was, that you were basically responsible for, uh, for, I'm, I'm blaming you for Jamie Navarro. How about that? <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. I, I think. Don't I'm do pretty, it, Uncle Ron. I'm pretty sure that Jamie Navarro is the reason White Sox put a limit on how many years they'll give a pitcher. <laughs> I, I, I literally. I believe here. it. I believe it because what was it five for fifty six or something like that or like uh, they signed him or was that or was that Bill Bell's uh, Bell's deal was five for fifty six I'm trying to remember I think it was a four year deal at the time it's why they don't give contracts to pitchers for five years but I mean like that's since changed however uh, there was there was some you know rhyme to reason there the now Jamie Navarro did equal did did equate into one of the best White Sox trades that uh, in my opinion to get rid of him, to turn around and get Jose Valentin and Cal Elger to spark that 2000 White Sox team. But that still doesn't make the deal worth it. <laughs> well, yeah, and Cal was great for that one season too as well. Yeah. And then obviously Jose uh, you know, had a nice little run with the White Sox. Let's take another break to talk about another one of our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Now, tons of people, they take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that is top quality. And with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health. 
health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash believe. Use promo code believe, B-L-E-A-V. Again, athleticgreens.com slash believe. Check it out today. Athletic Greens take ownership of your own health. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, now back to the pod. Uh, real quick, a couple more topics before we get out of here. Uh, I do want to ask you, you know, when this, when the ice thaws, when the doors open, when we get back on the field, there's going to be a wild flurry of moves. There's a lot of unsigned players out there in Major League Baseball. Obviously, the White Sox are a team that has eyes on the World Series. So if you have a wish list, uh, what position is at the top of your wish list for the White Sox to maybe go out there and supplement this roster right now? Uh, right field. Right field for sure. Uh, they have to sign an impact right fielder. Uh, I mean, the two positions on the field that that are glaring right now are right field and second base. Now, second base, I think, I mean, I'll say it's a cliche dime a dozen. I don't know if that's 100% true. I mean, I think there's a couple of really impactful second basemen. And then a couple of just like, just I think a lot of them are kind of like the same guy. I, to me, I would get a stud right fielder and get the best defensive second baseman you can. Jose Iglesias can back up it short. I, I, Literally give me the best option to make your defense better. I don't care if he hits 206. You can hit him ninth and make your up-the-middle defense better than it was last year. And I know they signed Larry Garcia, but Larry, he needs to continue to be that Swiss Army knife. I I don't like to pick – when you start signing guys that are, uh, you you know, Swiss Army knife types and you're pigeonholing them into one spot, I think, you know, you got to put them in position to succeed, and I don't think that's necessarily the right thing to do. Um, but, I, you know, I think there's a lot of Michael Conforto talk uh, that I've I've gone on record and said, like, that doesn't excite me, even though he's a really good player. I just think that there's been a lot of injury and I, that concerns me. Um, I do think we had Bob Nightingale on the podcast uh, a day or two ago and, and, and Chuck asked him a question about, like, who's a who's a big name that could fall into the White Sox left. He mentioned Nick Castellanos. That would be awesome. Like, I got I, I think he's got the. He just fits the south side like his bat. Obviously, I think he's got an edge and a little abrasiveness. He's not the best right fielder. I mean, he's definitely not making you yeah. better defensively. Aloy and Castellanos together, Luis is going to be better. Get his cardio in, right? True. Good point. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, you're not, but you might be signing him to a one or two year deal. I think the frenzy of what's going to happen is going to benefit the White Sox. I do a team that's ready to win and. uh and it's very attractive to some of these guys who may need to sign prove it deals to get over the fact of the CBA. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I would say, you know, Joe, I'd say right field to me is, you know, we talk about right field every single year, every year we talk about right field. And I don't think it's fair to just say, well, Yoki Suspidus is coming. He is, but why are we going to put some kind of spotlight on a kid who's not even been like, he, he just got into the sock system. You know, yeah, like and, to the, and to that point real quick, you know, uh, is that kind of your vibe too with, you know, a platoon style of Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets? I'm a big Andrew Vaughn guy, but is it in your opinion maybe a little too much to put on the plate to have that position man down? Is that why you're looking to kind of add on there? Yeah, I, I am. I mean, I, I want those bats in the lineup that you just mentioned. But again, like I'm all about putting guys in the position to succeed. I I, I think we were – I was surprised and, and happy to see Gavin Sheets have success out there. I just converting players to other positions to fill a void and make platoons, you know, it's tough. It's Mm -hmm. tough. And, and especially when you have, you know, the DH role is there. Uh, You're going to have guys moving all over. You're going to have Yasmani's going to need days off. He'll go to DH. Jose's going to need days off. He goes to DH. First base becomes open. You have Vaughn, you have sheets. Uh, And, you know, look, there's going to be some trades made like Craig Kimbrell still on this roster as of right now. So I know. they're they're like, it's not just going to be a frenzy in the free agent process. Like it's going to be a frenzy in the trade market as well. So it'll be, it should be crazy. Yeah. I remember early in the off season, Craig Kimbrell for Jean Shakura was like, I thought that was, I thought that was the way to go there. I don't know if they can pick that up. Possibly we'll see. And in terms of Michael Conforto, if you're going to do that, why don't you just give Schwarber some money? I mean, I'm what, what in, are we, dude. you know, what are we talking all about here? In on college, oh, thousand percent I, I that's the guy like you want to talk about a fit man just plug and play give him the multi-year how, deal 
He yeah, and he's Chicago. lefty lefty power hitter, dude that you know is going to be a great teammate, the guy that's all of a sudden now has got his zone and his stroke together at the same time. I mean, this is like – and he's not going to cost a lot of money. That's the part that – even on the north side, I don't even understand why they wouldn't want – That was a bad move for them. But I, he's gonna, I think he's going to cost you 15 $18 million, though. I mean, like, I, yeah. but, you know, again, it's, it's all relative. Like, does he fill a void for you? Well, hell yeah, he does. I mean – He's a left fielder, though. Like I don't, I don't know. If, uh, right field, left field, not the same position. I mean, I will say this about Kyle Schwarber: he's an underrated defender. You know, he led the National League in assists two straight years. I mean, I a lot of people don't know. Like they just, oh, he's a DH playing left field. Well, no. You know what's great about Kyle Schwarber? He came in as a catcher, worked to be a catcher, then started working to. They they knew his bat was too valuable. The guy works. You know, he's a grinder. Uh, I I think. I think he'd be phenomenal with the White Sox, but we'll yeah, see. They even, they even stuck him at first base at times. I mean, albeit it didn't look great, but yeah. yeah. But the universal DH thing, I mean, makes Schwarber's market robust. It really yes. does. I mean, that, that, yeah. every team in the league wants him now. I agree. So speaking of that, what's Carlos Rodon's market? And, you know, because of all this upheaval, could their return to the White Sox be in the cards just to get him back in a place that he knows so he can rebuild his market? Or is he like, I need multi-year from somewhere i don't care where it's coming from you know this is a name that might actually benefit from a, you know, a month off right like this uh, to start the season in may with rodan uh i think personally i think rodan's gone unless he were to come like fall to some like one year like insane deal where like it's like 10 million dollars or something um well we just I declined just think, the 18 so yeah, you know so know. what do you do there yeah right like i just think there's enough teams out there that are you know drooling for pitching and an opportunity to get their hands on rodan after after what he showed and and uh, you know finishing the top five of cy young left-hander uh you know a lot of the a lot of his best bullets are probably yet to come because of all the injuries he's had and the way he trained and changed things for 2021 I think it was so impressive that there's going to be somebody out there who's going to be willing to give him a multi-year deal or, you know, a one plus two year option or a two plus one year option type thing that's going to price him out uh, of the White Sox because the Sox have other needs. Now I will say, I do think the White Sox need another starting pitcher. I do. Yeah. It might not need to be Carlos Rodon like, um, but I don't think they should necessarily be out of like the big name free agent pitcher sweepstakes either. I mean, if you add, I mean, What's the best thing you can do to a team, right? Add the best players available. Put the best players at every position on the field and, and then line up and play the game. So rather than look for that fifth starter type to give yourself insurance, look for a top three starter type and see what see what the market prevails. I, this is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen when, when, when the deal gets done and these guys, because they're all going to be in scramble mode, right? Yeah. Like it's going to be like deal signed on Friday, report to camp on Monday. And there's going to be a ton of guys on Monday who don't know where they're going yet. And it's, there's going to be that sense of panic that sets in. I think it's why we saw so many guys sign right before the CBA uh, shut it down, because I think they, were, they wanted that guarantee, like, A, the big bucks were there, and B, they knew exactly what was going to happen after the deals were signed. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, weird failed physicals and like, oh, he's not signing, and wait a second, right. what's going on with this? Yeah. And hold on, they're checking the medicals, and this guy can't get his visa into the like, second. Oh, all, I got a two-year, I got a two-year, twenty-four million dollar deal. Like, should I wait? Should I not sign it? Should I wait? Should I not sign it? Oh my God! Like, you know what I mean? I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, Jock Peterson tweeted this week. You know, this is going to be the craziest free agent friends to get your popcorn ready. He's right. I mean, he's one of them too. Like, he's like, they know, like they know. Yeah. Some of the guys don't want the anxiety of not knowing. So they may get they may get that first phone call and go, you know what, this is good. Like I'm gonna take this and then next year I'll test the waters again. And so I think the teams that are ready to compete and win today are gonna benefit greatly from from guys like that. Yeah, and I, I just keep it to keep it local. I think of guys like Rizzo, you know, a guy that really wants to push to establish what his market is, but now it's been driven down and now I'm probably you know, what's he gonna do there? And he's one of those guys that would maybe wait and maybe he's now more of a one year guy, you know, yeah. than anything else. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And yeah, I mean, yeah, get your Twitter ready, <laughs> get your Twitter refresh ready, ready to roll. And in theory, you know, it'd be really exciting for MLB fans, but I'm sure maybe Major League Baseball will figure out a way to not make it, not cash in on the market marketing moment. Uh, my, my last topic for you, uh, NBC Sports, uh, Ryan McGuffey here on Bet on Chicago. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, I was working on it this week. I was thinking about it. I was like, man, this is the perfect thing to bring to Ryan's plate here. And because and this is the kind of topics we come up with when there's no baseball. So here we go. It's called the greatest 
Chicago sports team offseason of all time. Not just draft, not just trades for agencies, all of it together. Now, to be very fair, there are some smaller ancillary moves that I left off the list, but this guy, I try to get the headlining big names out there. And I'm going to read you off a list here, and I want you to tell me and weigh in what you think could possibly be the greatest Chicago sports offseason of all time. Here we go. Yep. Uh, disclaimer, Albert Bell and Jamie Navarro, not on the list. Um, oh. So I move on. <laughs> I move on. Um, so he, the ones that I want to get out of the way are just the solo single singular ones. 1975, Walter Payton is drafted, period, end of sentence. 1984, Michael Jordan is drafted, period, end of sentence. 1989, Frank Thomas is drafted, period, end of sentence. If you also look in those drafts, no one else of real consequence ends up on the White Sox, Bulls, or Bears at this time. So here we go. This is it. Uh, this is what I have so far. 1965, Buckus and Sayers drafted in the same draft. It's a pretty good start. 1983, Bears draft. They draft oh, Jimbo Cover, Willie Galt, Dave Dwerson, Tom Thayer, Richard Dent. 1988, Bulls draft Scotty and Horace. 2005, White Sox. J.D., Tadahito Aguchi, Scotty Pods, El Duque, AJ. I know I'm missing a couple guys, but that's the quantity. That's the quantity. That's the quantity one. And then I had to throw in there just to get a, to get a Cubs one in there. 2013, Cubs draft Chris Bryant and also trade for Jake Arrieta in the same offseason. So, Ryan, uh, weigh in, man. You know, what do you think the winner is? There's a couple heavy hitters there, and all of them are a little bit different. But, you know, if you had your pick, which would it be? Of that list? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I kind of usually separate like drafts and, and like kind of, but you can't because it, it all, it, you can't, that's not, that's unfair. I mean, drafts come with like the best thing that ever happened to the bulls is that the trailblazers took Sam Bowie. I mean, they don't <laughs> yeah. take Sam Bowie, Michael Jordan, you know, like the Rockets were drafting Elijah on. No one was going to ever dispute that. They knew that he was already from the university of Houston and it was a great pick for them. And he's a Hall of Famer, one of the best to play, but he's not Michael Jordan. But Sam Bowie, oof, I'm still plaguing. And then Portland had to lose back-to-back -back finals to Jordan. Good luck. Was it back-to-back -back finals? It was 90. Uh, it was Lake, well, no, Lakers, Blazers, Suns. So it wasn't back-to-back, -back, but mm -hmm. they had to deal with Michael Jordan. Um, you know, I like the Cubs one a lot because I think Arietta is one of the best trades in baseball history, uh, not just Cubs history. Uh, I'd look you just went through an entire list. One of them led to an immediate championship. One, it was a 2005 off season for the white Sox. It led right? to, it led to a world series and everybody, including me was like, what the hell is going on? What are the white Sox doing? They were picking Carlos Lee's going for who Scotty pods. And I, the only thing, reason I knew about Scotty pods, I've told him this, uh, he had a monster year the year before in fantasy like his first year in milwaukee was like yeah. 313 70 stolen bases i was like dude you were like the sleeper of all sleepers and what but when the white Sox traded el caballo for him i'm like well hang on <laughs> like he's like, <laughs> hang on. and then and then you know that that is the decision to let mags walk in free agency that one was like i, I thought that was a, a huge mistake at the time um and look, Mags went on to lead the Tigers to the World Series. I think he finished second in MVP voting. Hit like 365 one year. Um, great player. I think he's. I, I think he was on pace to be one of the best White Sox of all time. I loved Mags. He oh, was. Loved him. Oh man, unbelievable! From the great, moment great, he got up, yeah, phenomenal hitter. Uh, but then look what uh, they bring in JD, and you're like, well, it, it was, Jermaine, yeah, good player, oft injured, and then look what happens. He's you know he wrote his own script. He's an MVP of uh, the World Series. Um, and there's just so many parts. I mean, like they, they, they signed Bobby Jenks for 20 grand, you know, or they picked him up for 20 grand from the angels. Well, they um, had three closers that year too. That's the yeah, funny one. You know what I mean? Like no one knows that. Yeah. Shingo Takatsu. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Hermanson was a free agent. Sign. So they had a lot of guys uh, that led to the, so that list, I'm going to choose that one. I like the Cubs one a lot. Um, I think there's some other ones to be considered. I think 2015, the 2014 off season for the Cubs, when they signed John Lester mm -hmm. into the 2015, I think that was one of the biggest, uh, that was the wake up call to major league baseball. It said, Hey, by the way, the Cubs are here. And I remember where, like as a white Sox fan, I remember where I was when the Cubs signed John Lester, it was like 12 7 AM at the free, at the winter meetings. And I was like, Holy hell, they did it. Like they, yeah. 
got the dude that's going to change the thing. Uh, Marion Hosa, I think, uh, when the, that, that offseason, the Marion Hosa Kopecky, uh, uh, Thomas Kopecky press conference. I remember that with all the kids at the United Center. I mean, Hosa is arguably the greatest free agent signing in the history of Chicago sports with Lester right there as like a 1A. So I, I, I think I have to, you know, I think I have to probably include both of those in the mix. It's hard to pick one. Like if I'm doing a Rushmore, I think those two are on it as well. Yeah, I, I'm, with, I'm with you. And I, I was excited to bring this to you because I, I think 2005 has a really, really strong case. Oh, yeah. To possibly be in terms of just influx of acquisition. And you look at all those guys that I just named among all the players that you just named. I mean, you, all of them had were like White Sox playoff and World Series great moments from JD, World Series MVP, Aguchi hitting that David Wells hangar out, you know, Scotty Pods igniting the lineup, El Duque's obviously great moment against Boston, and then AJ. You know what I mean? What I, you know, I don't even need to go out into further detail with AJ. And then I guess the only one who is. With the 83 Bears, you look at Jimbo Cover and you look at Willie Gall, and then yeah. you say they got Richard Dent that late in the draft. It's like had or something, right? They don't even have yeah. that many. Yeah. No, yeah. like, I, I, look, I, I think the 83 Bears draft is the best draft of all time. And that's, mm-hmm. that's insane when you think about the Bears drafted Sayers and Buckus in the same draft. Like, I, I will argue that 83 was a better draft because look at the positions that they got. They have Hall of Famers at multiple positions in the same draft. I know that they did that with, with Sayers and Buckus, but that team led to one of the greatest, if not the greatest single season in the history of the NFL in one draft. I mean, talk about building through the draft. The Bears have been looking for a GM to do that since then, since Finks. So, I mean, that's that's a really, like, I, I think that's the greatest draft of all time. I will say this. I, I had to look, I, I knew it before I said it, but I, forgot, I failed to mention it. You know, Hosa, signing Hosa, did put the Hawks like they won the Stanley Cup. So like yeah. Hosta was kind of like that missing piece. And then he came in, he had been to consecutive Stanley Cups and lost, I think, with the Pittsburgh, with Detroit, and then came to Chicago and got them over the top. Um, so I, I think his impact of of winning the Stanley Cup and, and the, the Blackhawks being close, but just not close enough. Um, you know, it's it's hard to say one guy makes the entire greatest offseason in history but then you name you, you mentioned guys like walter payton and michael jordan it's like well man i can't like we were so lucky to have those two guys um but i'm with you i think the the collection of what 2005 was and how and ozzy has talked about this like how he said like he knew he had to get rid of some of these guys because they weren't going to be able to win and you're like what are you talking about the guy hit 300 he's like yeah but could we win with him could we win as a team with him and, and to hear like the behind the scenes as to how they built that team and, and plucking guys that everyone else, that, that were cast offs everywhere else, you know, like including AJ and, you know, AJ was signed like a one year, five or $6 million deal. And it was no guarantee it worked. And he ended up being, you know, one of the absolute mainstays in the history of Chicago sports. And certainly on the South side as like perfect for the white Sox, ultimate bully for everybody else. And it worked. And, you know, there's just a lot of things that fell into place that season that made sense. And that and to do it all in one offseason. Mm. Yeah. And on top of it, look, uh, I'm going to get you out of here in a second, but I'm getting really excited about this. If you just go back like that construction of that team for a couple of years is truly like one of the more special, almost blueprint instructional experiences of how to build a team where, you know, you're talking about those guys. But then Juan Uribe kind of off the scrap heap, Jose Contreras. Yankees kind of gave up on him, right? Remember, they, you remember who the White Sox traded for Jose Contreras in 04? Uh, at the, at, on the trade deadline. No, I don't. Who is it? Straight up, Esteban Loaiza. <laughs> so, so Esteban Loaiza ends up being a stud in 03, starts the All Star game, finishes second in the Cy Young to Roy Halladay. Yeah, must comes watch. back, has like a bumpy 2004. And at the deadline, the White Sox make this surprising trade. It's like, well, we knew that they had gotten the most of Esteban Loaiza, and the Yankees were done with Jose Contreras. I, I, again, and, well, and, and then they, you flip you flip Miguel Olivo for Freddy Garcia in 2004. Like, right? I remember everyone's like, "Ooh, I don't know, man." Miguel Oliva is going to be the catcher we've always needed. Like, <laughs> Freddie Garcia was one of the best pitchers. So the White Sox made – First of all, Ron Karkovice is the catcher that we've always needed and will ever uh, need uh, ever, yeah. forever, but yeah. yeah. Give me give me, give me, me Karko all day. Uh, but those two moves the White Sox made in 04. Yeah. Set the tone for what was going to happen in 05, and they get two of their best pitchers in, the, in, in their franchise's history because of what they meant 
at that time to that team and look at who they gave up. You know, they, the White Sox were, were making, you know, stealth moves. They, they were showing us what they were going to do in the off season and we weren't paying attention. It was like, <laughs> look what they're doing at the deadline now to set up what they want to do next year. So. Yeah. And then you kind of, I don't want to call it luck, but then you have guys like Creedy, Rowan and Garland step into their prime and finally click after uh -huh. a little, you know, up and down. And then obviously you've yeah. got a guy like Canerco who, which funny about Canerco is remember Canerco was kind of the hot and cold. He was as streaky yeah. as it got kind of guy. And then he leveled off and became Mr. Consistency. But I always remember those early years. He was so hard on himself. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was gripping the bat so tight. And then, uh, I don't know. I love talking about the 2005 White Sox. Uh, Ryan McGuffey, you've been so generous with your time, uh, my friend. Thank you so much for coming back on the pod before you leave. Um, you know, obviously, people need to check out White Sox Talk, you know, especially in the next couple of weeks when we get back on the field. That is going to be a must listen wherever you go. And NBC Sports, I love this rush, man. I love what you guys are doing over there. Some daily hits, just some quick stuff here and there just to. You know, uh, slake the uh, the appetite, the thirst wet of the all the just to wet the palate yeah, a little. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just give yeah. us a little drink. Step in for a quick cold one uh, with the rush. Uh, throw out your socials and people way people can check out your content, man. And uh, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Yeah, man. No, you follow me at Ryan McGuffey, and uh, and and I appreciate Joey always being on with you, and and uh, we always have so much fun. I forget half the time that we're doing a podcast. We're just like two guys talking at the bar uh, virtually. So. I'll look forward to hopefully one day doing it in person. But um, yeah, like, look, all of our content's going to be based off of pretty soon here, like what's going on with baseball. But I, we'll have a plan. We have some surprises along the way that are coming up. And uh, you know, let's just uh, cross our fingers that we'll both be using the air conditioner at some point soon and the White Sox will be winning. <laughs> it's ready for you. Ready to turn it on. And uh, yeah, if we ever do the in-person, my friend, uh, first round's on me. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate uh, you being generous with your time. Absolutely. No problem. Today's episode of Bet on Chicago with Joey Christopoulos was presented by BetOnline.ag. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. Also presented by NordVPN and also Athletic Greens. Great deals going on in conjunction with the Believe Network. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast. we got plenty more coming next week. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always Bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.